the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. We want to talk about uh, the care system in this country. And there's a number of reasons we could have picked uh, to talk about it. Uh, I mean, this week uh, we have had uh, the figures published that showed the increase in referrals to Tusla over the last couple of years, a 13%, 10,000 extra referrals. It it means that that system, already under pressure, under even more pressure, the organisation themselves acknowledging that they are at risk of failing to meet required standards. We have a Dublin District Court judge, Dermot Sims, writing to the government and to Tusla, criticising what he describes as the unprecedented crisis facing the care system. And all of this comes uh, only a a few weeks after a really worrying report was published by UCD, Protecting Against Predators, a scoping study on the sexual exploitation of children and young people in Ireland and a detailed stories of of, uh, gangs, uh, of men, groups of men clearly targeting children in care, a story which kind of got remarkably little attention in a way. I mean, one of those stories that I think maybe fell victim to the kind of Ryan Tuberty RTE storyline. So for for all of those reasons, we wanted to talk about this issue and here to talk about it, uh, Anne Rabbit, who is a Minister of State at the Department of Health and the Department of Children, Tanya Ward, Chief Executive of the Children's Rights Alliance and Wayne Dignam, who's the founder of Care Leavers Network. Uh, you're all very welcome uh, to the show and thanks a million for taking the time. Wayne, I, I might start with yourself, given your, your your direct experience of the care system. Now, I know it's a a few years since uh, you came out of it. Can you tell us how you came to be in care? Hi, Kieran. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. Um, I came into care because my parents went able to look after me in lots of different ways. And the state came in and took care of me by placing me in short-term foster cares, caring placements, and also residential care. Um, And that was a number. By the age of 10, I lived in about 10 different homes and then I was placed in long-term foster care. So I can relate to a lot of what children in care are experiencing these days, but not to the extent that children are living in hotel rooms on their own with social workers. I mean, I experienced a lot, but I I was in families. I was in residential care. There were places for me. There are no places for a lot of children in the care system now. And when 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 you hear those stories now that have been emerging, Wayne, I mean, is your feeling one what of uh, of of shock? Is it despair, one of kind of relief that, that it didn't despair. affect you? Despair. It's despair because it's got worse and worse. It, like Tusla is at. No, oh, I think we seem to have uh, lost Wayne there. What we'll do is we'll get Wayne back on the line. But Tanya Ward, I mentioned, is with me, uh, and uh, Anne Rabbit, Minister of State at the Department of. Um, health and the Department of, of, of Children. I mean, despair, is that a, a feeling you would share, Anne? Um, yeah, I suppose it is, to be honest with you, Kirtan. Um, listening to Wayne there and his articulation, it, it also shows and points to the point why Minister Gorman would have sought to have got 20 extra million in the budget last year. There's a real recognition within the department that more needs to be done to build that capacity. Uh, and actually, there, there, there's various steps in the ladder I often speak about, about supporting children that need to access care. Wayne talked there about the foster care system, but he also talked about the residential. We clearly acknowledge that there isn't enough residential spaces. No child should be in a, a hotel room. So adding in 
that capacity, having the 20 million is a step in the right direction. But there's a long way more to go in the curtain, to be quite honest with you. And part of that, that that journey that needs to be travelled there is actually understanding what is the, the capacity needs within the sector? Sometimes I think we don't have a real understanding of the capacity. And as Minister for Disability, sometimes we don't have a real understanding of how many children in the system are, are, have a disability within the care system and are their care needs really being met and have they that proper support? And even as they exit into the aftercare um, system or further provision of disability supports for them, where they fall between TUSLA and the HSC. But to be honest with you, um, what really does need, and I know it's a focus for Minister O'Gorman, certainly a focus for mine, is that there would be more public, uh, residential public care spaces being provided within the system as opposed to being within private residential care spaces. Uh, so, so to what extent is part of the problem then... And, uh Kind of data collection. I'm not. I don't, let's not talk about yeah. I mean, GDPR or something. But I just mean knowing, yeah. knowing what uh, services you need to provide for. If you don't know, you know how many people in care have a disability on top of it. I know Pat Dubin was talking about you know that two aren't able to 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 report on how many people report children in care report being physically or sexually abused. They're not figures that they collate. I mean, it strikes me that these are the types of figures that you or your colleagues in government should have on hand if you want them. Yes, um, and I suppose that's one of the, the points that Minister Gorman really wants to focus on is the collection of that data so as we can provide that proper pathway of building the capacity, ensuring that we have enough staff to to support the meet the needs of. And also, you will often hear um, young people exiting care that they feel, as they do in disabilities when they turn the age of 18, that there could be that cliff edge, is to ensure that we don't have that cliff edge, that we ensure that children that need long-term residential care with a disability in care also access that same appropriate services as the third and 18 and a half mm. and 19. So it's building in that capacity. To be fair to Tusla, they do their best to try and gather the data, but we need it in a more meaningful way and there needs to be focus on that. Uh, Tanya, I want to come to you in just a moment, but yeah. Wayne is back on the line, uh, Wayne Dignam. Uh, Wayne, apologies. We, we lost you there as you were making the point that your, your overriding sense of things is one of despair when you see these stories. Yeah, thanks, Kieran. And, and, it, and it goes back to the... Um, the issue of uh, the Public Accounts Committee bringing TUSLA in and holding to them to account and uh, taking drastic action to improve things. I mean, I think it's a, it's a bad reflection on society that we can get so hot and bothered about how much a broadcaster is paid when we're looking at TUSLA who are making drastic mistakes uh, affecting uh, the lives of so many children that they have responsibilities to take care of. I mean, even alone that they they spent 5.4 million on contracts that were not compliant with public procurement value for money rules. That alone deserves them to come into uh, the public accounts committee. Let alone so much more that that are that's going wrong with the system. Minister, he makes a point. I know you defend Tusa and the work they do, and, I, and I'm not for a moment suggesting that you know everybody in there is is, is failing in their duty, but there are some failures. Yes, but can I also put it, hello Wayne, and um, good to talk Hi, to you and listen to you. Um, the other point is that I, I, when I became a minister three years ago, we were exiting COVID. There was a lot of families in crisis. 
COVID was very unfair to them in relation to the restrictions. There wasn't a lot of respite. Uh, and to be quite honest, your relationships were breaking down on a number of levels. So perhaps some of the contracts that were issued, and I'm not defending, but I'm trying to just put it in context. Some of the cont- contracts that would have been issued wouldn't have been, um, wouldn't have met the complete procurement rules. Um, but saying that we are three years on, so they should be regularised is what I'm saying. But it, it, there may be incidents here you're suggesting where, you know, you couldn't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Something had to happen. Absolutely. And sometimes you do need to put in the measures to protect the child. The child has to always be at the centre of the conversation. And that should be where our, our focus should be at all times. And perhaps in certain instances, and I talk again in relation to children with disability, that perhaps um, they themselves needed to access or their families need them to access more residential care. And sometimes that is an argument that takes place between the HSC and Tusla mm. as to who is responsible for the care of. Tanya Ward, Chief Executive of the Children's Rights Alliance. I mean, the, a, a district court writing to the executive and to Tusla, I mean, that's fairly, I wouldn't say unprecedented, but it's a rare enough event. It's, it's a rare event and, and he really was only able to do it because he had just retired because this that is, when a judge writes to government, you know, they're really overstepping the bounds. But, you know, from a moral point of view, he felt like he had no choice but to really highlight his concern Uh, what he felt was a tipping point when it comes to the care system. I suppose, you know, we really run the risk of undermining 10 years of great work in building Tusla um, as a new agency following a very poor track record in the care system uh, prior to that. And I suppose this week what really struck me was um, Tusla putting the hand up to say we have a major problem here. Um, I mean, 10,000 increase in referrals and that's a post-COVID situation, something we were very worried about during COVID because we put children through you know, two years of school closures, service closures, um, and the children with disabilities that suffered the most, but it's the very vulnerable children that suffered the most. And we knew that when the schools opened and it's the teachers often that do the referrals and the GPs and the nurses, that suddenly TUSA would be overwhelmed with referrals. And it's happened, essentially. Um, the other thing that really strikes me about this as well is, I mean, I think it is useful to have Tusa talk about why are we ending up relying on these emergency accommodation, which is very unsuitable, very destabilising for children. And the social workers don't want to rely on it at all. They know it, it can be very harmful. Is there's a major structural problem when it comes to, let's say, foster carers. So foster carers provide the best outcomes for children in the care system. About 86% of children in the care system are looked after by by foster carers. Um, And one of the things that's really striking is that Tusla said this week they lost 75 foster carers last year. And that's despite, you know, they they run their recruitment programmes. You'll see them out in bloom. They're doing all these different things. And why? What's the feedback or the sense on the ground of why that's happening? One of the big things that really concerns me is since 2009, uh, the foster care payment hasn't increased since so since before the weekly payment that a foster mm-hmm. care parent gets to look after a child under 12 and over 12. Uh, it's 325 for children under 12, uh, 355, I think, for children over 12. Um, and that hasn't increased since 2009. And that makes it very challenging for foster carers because usually if it's a couple, one of them quit the job to be present for mm. the child. If it's a single person, they usually don't do more than a part time job to be present for the child. And I mean, I mean, that, they're, they're poverty rates, you know, if you want to look after a child. And I think I think it's very short-sighted that we haven't increased the foster care payment because what happens then for TUSLA is they, 
don't have enough foster carers, they're not able to support them and then they have to rely on this expensive private accommodation that just doesn't deliver the same results. Mm. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, I really particularly uh, the Minister for Children, Roger Gorman, and, 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 and Minister Anne Rabbit are really committed. But this is one of these areas where we're going to need a whole of government approach and we're going to need probably a lot more than 20 million this year. Yeah. We're going to have to see 100 million plus, I think, to really deal with the kind of referrals that, that TUSLA are dealing with and give them the support that they need. Minister, why hasn't the foster care payment increased since 2009? Your euro doesn't go as far today as it did in 2009. No, Karen, and, and to be honest with you, I do know that this is, if I say anything too much, I'm kite flying. So I'm not kite flying. What I'm saying is I know that Minister Gorman is very engaged in this piece. It's something he has spoken to myself. As I know he's also engaged with foster cares. I know his, he has shared it with his cabinet colleagues. This is a priority for Minister Gorman um, that that this has to be addressed. Uh, and Kieran, you're quite right. Since 2009, inflation has gone up. The cost of living has gone up. But at the same time, I do know that Minister Gorman will be giving this a priority. What would it, how much money would it take for Ireland to develop a system of care that would be the envy of other developed countries? Oh, now you're asking me, Kieran. That's that's a great question. Um, so I know that I need a minimum of a billion euros in children's disability services for the, the next year to meet the unmet need. That's the unmet need. Um, that's so that's on top of yes. what's spent. Um, so that's just looking at children with disabilities. That's before I take in other elements of it, be it the payment to the foster carers, be it the mobility allowance schemes, before I actually extend the primary medical cert, before I would actually look into access to education. So you can sort of see the sort of funding and then the infrastructure that would go to it, along with the training of the staff, along with extra college places that would need to go on. So, so that... But we need to build capacity. It all starts at the beginning. Like we can be the envy. And I do believe we're on the right track mm. on it by building capacity, adding extra college places, what we see Minister Harris doing. Um, that is one thing. Expanding the range of col- college places and the diversity of us, like talking about a behavioural analyst or behavioural support person, talk about an autism worker as part of the complement, assistive OTs, physios and speech and language. They're the complements that need to expand with other professionals, um, along with having some more social care workers, more social workers I- I- and key workers on our various teams would be the start mm-hmm. in developing us as a world centre of excellence to be the envy of others. Wayne, can I ask about, because I, I brought up this UCD study as well, protecting against predators. And like I said, I was kind of, a, and listen, I, I presented a kind of a radio show. We could have talked about it every single day since it was published and we didn't. So I'm kind of have to hold my hands up to a degree as well on this. But I was astounded it didn't get more attention. You know, a, a study detailing groups of men clearly targeting children in care. And there was kind of a, a, an awful lot of the time that's kind of wrapped up in substance abuse and paying drug debts, uh, you know, through kind of. Um, uh, uh, sexual acts, uh, uh, but it's 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 the exploitation of children. However, you want to describe it. I mean, from the outside looking in, what's your what's your sense of 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 the reason or why you suspect that didn't get the attention maybe it deserved? Because I, I think there's shame with this, Karen. I think if that headline was BlackRock. Uh, young adults being targeted by men uh, for sex 
uh, industry favours or whatever way you want to call it, it would have much more attention. Uh, for some reason, uh, from the very start, children in care are just it's the level of attention that it deserves isn't there. And that's, that goes back a long way in this history of this country from institutional abuse right through to today. And I think it's something we really have to address as a society, that these people, these care leavers that are coming out of the care system are so vulnerable and need much more support and much more resources available to them, let alone accommodation, but protection in lots of different ways. Tanya? Do you think that that's part and parcel of it? A sense of shame or embarrassment maybe from the rest of us? Yeah, and I just, I, 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 I do think there's a stigma attached to young people in the care system. I mean, they, they say that themselves, that people don't take them uh, seriously. And I think one of the things that came up in that study, uh, which kind of shocked me, to be honest, was that some people working within the system didn't realise what they were seeing was sexual exploitation. <laughs> so when a young person goes out and there's a man that takes them off somewhere and suddenly they come back and they have money or that suddenly they have new clothes and things like that, that that was actually potentially sexual um, exploitation. So there's there we're, we seem to be there's, I, I, I think there's a that there's a situation where like and I even met some of those researchers at the beginning of that study and I said I haven't had a lot of people coming to me in my membership talking to me about the sexual exploitation mm. of young people I'd be very interested to hear what you what you get and then they said well when they scratched the surface it turned out there was lots of cases and I know from talking to Tusla they would say actually we have made a huge number of referrals they were probably in contact with most of those cases actually and the guards are probably investigating them. So it's not even at the just the national level we're not giving attention even at the service level some of it wasn't being given attention as well and, and that does surprise me and it disappoints me as well. Alright um, Minister a final word on that? Yeah, I think the word that jumps out at me is the safeguarding the regulation, the understanding of your job spike and how we need to support the young people at all times. What I omitted to say earlier on is the fact that the Taoiseach has now set up a children's unit, perhaps that's the first step in developing a centre of excellence for children. Anne Rabbit, Minister of State at the Department of uh, Disability, uh, the Minister of State for Disability in the Department of Health and Minister of State in the Department of Children as well. Tanya Ward, Chief Executive of the Children's Rights Alliance and Wayne Dignam, founder of Care Leavers Network. Listen, thank you all very much for an interesting conversation that I, I, I suspect could have gone on uh, to seven o'clock and far beyond. Music.